All right, that's enough of that stuff. 2022, a year of what? Pursuing peace, that there is peace available in Jesus and I want it and I want to remain in it and I want to know how to hold on to it. And there are so many things in this life to rob us of that peace, to pull us away from him, to pull us into fear or anger or anxiety or whatever the case may be. There is peace available in Jesus and I want it. And so we are, are no, we are learning experientially, we all know this already, uh, that peace doesn't just happen automatically, right? It's something that needs to be sought. It's something that needs to be pursued. And so that is our endeavor this year, to focus on how do we pursue the peace that is available in Jesus? How do we remain in it? How do we live in peace with our brothers and sisters? How do we live in peace even with our enemies? And what does that look like? Uh, some of the struggle even of these last couple of years is where do we speak up? Where do we take a stand? Where do we, uh, you know, act as a church in this way or that way? And how do we do that without laying aside the biblical commandment to love even our enemies? And these are tough questions. And I, I think every church is wrestling through them. And it's part of what we are wrestling through this year. Our five questions that we keep bringing before you are these. What is our attitude going to be? Uh, a lot of my peace level depends on the mood I'm in that day. And not everything about my mood is maybe entirely controllable, but I do have some influence on what my attitude is going to be. So what is our attitude going to be? Are we going to be thankful? Are we going to be worshipful? Are we going to be hopeful? Are we going to be loving? Uh, are we going to go in other directions that are not in line with what Scripture calls us to? How are we treating other people, even and especially those who are on the other side of things? Uh, how are we treating those that we might even consider our enemies? What does that look like as we seek to live out the way of Jesus? in this world? How are we drawing near to the Lord? If he is Jehovah Shalom, if he is the Lord is peace, then drawing close to him is going to be crucial if we're going to walk in his peace. So how is he fitting into our lives? What are we contributing to the world? Uh, even if we are uh, wrestling through things, frustrated with things, fearful about things, how are we speaking? How are we acting? Uh, are our words, as scripture said, seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt? Are we light and salt to this world? with what we're saying, what we're doing, what we're posting. What are we contributing as we are pursuing peace together? And then who are we imitating? We are imitating Jesus always. The Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so there are people in our lives, not just leaders, but there are people around us where we are to imitate the Christ that we see in them. Imitate them as we see them following in the way of Christ. And so Paul doesn't say, imitate me in my sin and in my bad character, but as you see me following Jesus, Jesus, imitate that. And so whoever we are spending time with, whoever we are listening to, whatever voices we are giving permission to speak into our lives, we do start to imitate those people. We do. Uh, married people after a while start looking the same, talking the same, right? Like you start to take on the qualities of whatever and whoever you are spending time with. So who are we imitating? Are we finding Jesus in people and imitating that as we follow after him? So we're shaking things up a little bit from our original plan. Uh, we were going to shift our week, uh, our, our sermon series at this point, uh, and move in a slightly different direction, and then just some things came up that were all exciting things. Terry Bone's going to be here preaching next Sunday, and that is always an amazing Sunday. Randy Friesen's going to be here preaching the Sunday after that. That is always an amazing Sunday. Uh, and then we have Mission Sunday coming up a couple of weeks after that. And so, again, just not all of that was planned out right in that order at the beginning, but the way it kind of landed, it kind of chopped up the sermon series. So we're just going to flow with it and make some changes to what we were going to be talking about, um, but we're very excited to have some guest speakers come in over the next few weeks. So today we are talking about, what was that Greek word? Do you remember? 
I just told you in communion, Eucharisto. So fun. It's a fun word. It's more fun than Eucharist. Eucharist is the English thing that we say. Eucharisto. The Greek kind of rolls off the tongue. The Eucharisto, the thanksgiving, the life of thanksgiving that we are called to. It strikes me that as we raise our children, uh, we have to teach them to be thankful. That is not something natural to a baby that is hungry, right? Like we have to teach our kids to be thankful. There is something that is maybe not supernatural of being thankful in us. We are, are I think, in our sinfulness, are selfish by nature. Uh, we have to learn to do this. Some of us maybe do it more naturally than others. But Thanksgiving is something that shows up. The call to Thanksgiving uh, arrives something like 150 times in the Bible. Uh, it's one of the most regularly commanded things is give thanks, be thankful. It shows up from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over and over again. Give thanks, be thankful. We are to be a thankful people. And so we are to be worshipful in our thanks towards God. I think it's good for us also to say thank you to one another and show appreciation and encouragement to one another. There was a, a we had a denominational meeting a couple weeks ago. One of my fellow pastors was leading it, and uh, I had just sent him a note afterwards just saying, like, thanks so much for your leadership. Uh, you know, you're a good leader. You led it all really well. It was all very smooth. Um, and he did what we do, which is say, like, no, no, not me, not me. No, 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 not me. Just There's a great team here, and we deflect, and we try to push it away. Um, but we need to be able to, to encourage one another, Scripture says. And part of that is receiving the encouragement as well. There's two parts to that, fulfilling that biblical commandment. And so we don't want it to deflect away, and we don't want it to, uh, to become so self-righteous in it either. I heard a preacher once tell the story that uh, he was guest speaking at a church, and a woman came up and sang a solo as part of the worship. Um, and it was very worshipful and beautiful, and the presence of God was there. And so afterwards, he went, and he just told her that. He said, thank you so much for sharing uh, the gift that God gave you. Uh, the presence of God was there. That was a beautiful moment of worship. And in deflecting, she said, oh, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. And he said, yeah, it wasn't that good. Yeah. Boom, roasted. So we need to be careful that, like, again, we are called to encourage one another. It is okay to encourage one another. It is okay to receive encouragement. We do always want to be careful that we're not elevating ourselves too much. But uh, encourage one another daily, Hebrews says, as long as it is called today. We need it. We need that hope that we stir up in one another. And so we can do that for one another. The main call of thanksgiving in Scripture, of course, is, is for the Lord. It is to be thankful to him to give him thanks for who he is, to give him thanks for what he has done. 150 times in scripture, we're told, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. We as Christ followers should be the most thankful people on the planet because we know who God is and we know what Jesus has done. We should be like, if all we ever had left was the cross and nothing else was done for us, that would be enough to sing hallelujah forever. We should be the most thankful people on earth. So as we get to our text today, just a reminder, we do have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. And if you have any thoughts or, or pushback or questions or concerns about the message, then you can send it there. We'd be very happy to respond to that. Let's take a look at our verses today. 1 Thessalonians 5, just a few verses. We're starting in verse 16. This is a short little passage that anyone could memorize, and maybe you should. 
Verse 16, rejoice always. That's one verse. Pray continually. That's two verses. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, yeah, you could just memorize three verses just like that. That wouldn't be that hard. The first two are the easiest. There's only four words there, right? So rejoice always, pray continually. You just memorized two verses of Scripture right there. So this is a short, sweet passage. I preach on it uh, fairly regularly, and, and it's just dear to my heart. And I, I am not always good at it. Sometimes I'm pretty good at it, and sometimes I'm really bad at it. And so I need to come back to it over and over and over again. Israel wandered through the wilderness for 40 years before they found the promised land. And, uh, and it's, it's a bit hard to know, was that always God's plan that it was 40 years? I mean, he knew it was coming, obviously. Uh, that was something that was put on them as a, a punishment because they were complaining and grumbling so much. Eventually, God said, I'm not going to bring you into the promised land until... Uh, this generation, this grumbling generation has passed away. They will not get to see the promised land. But as Israel goes through the wilderness, I, I always try really hard to put myself in the shoes of, of anybody. And it's easy to look at Israel and go like, ah, oh, you morons, like why? How, how could you act the way you're acting, right? There were signs and wonders in Egypt and you saw them with your eyeballs. And there were signs and wonders at the Red Sea and you saw them with your eyeballs. And there was man in the dead, you saw these things. How can you be so full of doubt? How can you be so full of, of complaining? Why were you always assuming that God was out to get you? They were always saying, man, God just brought us out here to die in the desert. Like they said it over and over and over again. How can you have such little faith. And of course, that's not really the right reaction when we see sin in Scripture. When we see sin in Scripture, the right reaction is to say, okay, where am I in this? Where am I doing the same thing? The plank in the eye teaching of Jesus is like, yeah, you worry about you before you start getting self-righteous about what someone else is doing. And part of what Israel goes through is so relatable. Like, it's so common, which is when God is clearly doing good things, they are very, very excited. And when God is not doing what they think he should be doing, they are grumbly and complaining and upset. And I go, I think that's pretty common, right? I think that's, that's something of the human experience. And so they're in slavery and they're complaining. And then signs and wonders come and God brings them out of slavery and they're rejoicing. And then they run into the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is chasing them and they're complaining. And then God parts the Red Sea and destroys the enemy and they are rejoicing. And then they get through that and they're hungry and thirsty and they're complaining. And then God provides food and water for them and they are rejoicing. And as they go through, they'll fight a battle with a country and they'll win it and they rejoice. And then there's another battle that they lose and they complain. And so their circumstances very much dictate their mood. Right? Am I worshipful today? Am I thankful today? Or am I complaining today? Am I grumbling today? And one of our questions for the year is, what is our attitude going to be as we navigate this year? What is that going to look like? 
Are we going to be the most thankful people on the planet, regardless of circumstance? Because as you see Israel's kind of roller coaster ride of, of Thanksgiving and complaining and Thanksgiving and complaining and Thanksgiving and complaining, it makes a lot of sense. We probably, if we're being honest, live our lives in a very similar dynamic. When things are good, worship is easy. When things are hard, worship is hard. We are wanting to mature to a place where the circumstances alone are not dictating the level of our praise. We're wanting to move to a place where even in the valley we are worshiping, even in the struggle we are worshiping, even in the pain we are thankful, not for the pain, but there are things to be thankful even in the pain. What is our attitude going to be? And as we talk these last number of weeks about a 48-minute challenge, we've said, hey, the Lord needs to fit into your life as a priority. If he is the source of all peace, then seeking him as we seek peace is going to be a part of this, and it needs to be a priority. So we threw out the idea of a 48-minute challenge. That's a tithe of your free time during the day. Uh, those eight hours a day, maybe not totally free because we have responsibilities, but those eight hours a day where we have some freedom uh, beyond our work and beyond our sleep, that's a tithe of that time. It's not a biblical number. It's just a challenge. Where is the Lord fitting into your life as a priority? And, and part of that should be prayer. Part of that should be scripture. Part of that should be silence. Part of that can be seeking him in different ways. Uh, part of that should be thanksgiving. Part of that should be an intentional time of thanksgiving, giving thanks to him for who he is and what he has done. So verse 16, rejoice always. Again, you just memorized it right there. You memorized a verse of scripture. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. One of the most powerful worship times I've ever experienced in my life was at the first church that I worked at. Uh, this was in Grimsby, Ontario, up in Niagara, and I was in Bible college, uh, and I was part-time at this church. And there was a family in this church, and their son uh, was having some problems with his foot, just pains and different things. They ultimately discovered that there was a tumor in his foot, and so ultimately, they needed to amputate the foot. They, they lost the foot in order to save the rest of the body. And just to fast forward the story, he's a grown man now in university, and he's thriving, and he's doing fine. But he did need to lose his foot. That was one of the steps. And so as parents, the woman, uh, the mom, was on staff with us at the church, and so we were walking with her through it all. And, you know, you're, you're praying for healing, and you're praying for God to do something amazing, and you're praying that if he's going to work through doctors, he can work through doctors, and you're praying, obviously, for, for life, ultimately, um, but the prayers to save the foot weren't answered. They had to, he had to lose his foot, and he was maybe six, seven years old. He was, he was young when it happened, um, and she, the, the couple, the parents were around maybe my age now or a bit younger, and so the surgery had happened, it went well, and it was all a success, and it, it worked. It, it ultimately saved his life. And so the couple came up on a Sunday morning uh, just to give an update to the congregation sometime, maybe a couple of weeks after the surgery, and they just said, uh, you know, thank you for the food, and thank you for praying, and, uh, you know, we prayed through all of this. Ultimately, God brought us to that place of peace about this surgery that uh, as hard as it is and as hard as it, as, as it is as a parent to watch your child go through it, I mean, what parent wouldn't say, no, take me, right? Take my leg off, right? Leave my kid. Uh, she said, we have found peace in it, and we don't know what God is up to in all of it, but we know he is good, and we are trusting him in it. Uh, so they said that at the beginning of the service before the worship started, and then the worship started. In Pentecostal churches, worship goes for like an hour or more. It is uh, just a long time. Some of you, that's not enough, or some of you, that's way too much. 
And so the worship service started, and, and I was over here. I, I don't know why. I'm always on the right side at the front of the church in every church I've ever been at. They were over here on this side in the aisle, and the parents who had just been through this trauma with their children, as the worship music started, they began dancing in the aisle, like leaping with their hands in the air, and with tears pouring down their face, they just began to leap and dance. And it wasn't fancy. And, and they weren't, I don't think, in any way trying to draw attention to themselves. But they were just finding the way to rejoice that day. And their son was alive, and that was enough to be joyful for. And so they just began to leap. And there was something about it that as they began to do that, the Holy Spirit just went <laughs> across the room. And then everybody was dancing. Everybody was jumping. And there was just like a shout of hallelujah in that place. And what, what could have been a moment of devastation, and, and for, for sure there was grief to work through in all of it for them and, and for their child, of course. Like it wasn't like we're denying that this thing is real. But in that moment, they chose to rejoice always. They chose to rejoice always. And that was a powerful time of worship for all of us. And so rejoicing always doesn't mean uh, that our circumstances are great. It could be quite the opposite. It's saying he is worthy of my worship anyway. And just because I can't rejoice in everything going on in my life doesn't mean I'm not going to rejoice in anything at all. I'm going to rejoice in him. I'm going to rejoice in who he is. We've just celebrated the Eucharist, the Eucharisto, the Thanksgiving, the table of the Lord, the cross and resurrection enough. That's enough to rejoice in. If everything else in my life is falling apart, that's enough to rejoice in. If every circumstance is against me and if my finances are a mess and if I'm sick in my body and if my relationships are trouble, the cross is enough to rejoice always. Everything else will pass away in one way or another. Everything else will disappear. Everything else in this life, the kingdom and the king are eternal. Jesus would send his disciples out and they were sent out two by two, kind of a practice run before the Great Commission would come. So Jesus is still alive. And he would say, just go and preach the good news and, and heal the sick and drive out demons and, and pray for people and, and share the gospel. And so they went out on this kind of trial run and the disciples all came back and they said, Lord, this is amazing. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, yeah, don't get excited about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the most important thing. And that's not to say don't pray for healing and don't preach the gospel. But the most important thing that is always reason to be joyful is that your names are written in heaven as you have trusted and followed Jesus. That's enough to worship him forever. And you know what? We will worship him forever because of that. That is part of what we will do. So rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray continually. Some versions say pray without ceasing. And so prayer times are, are crucial. Prayer times are important. Our, our 48 minutes or whatever we're giving a day are important. Coming together as a church family on Sundays to pray is important. Meeting beyond that from time to time is important. Being in community to pray together is important, like we talked about last week. It's all crucial that we are, are praying and set aside time for praying. But there is this call beyond that where, obviously, if we're at work or we're at school... You're not, you know, stopping at your desk to, you know, have a 20-minute formal prayer time. But it also doesn't mean that as you're not going throughout your day, you can't be in a constant state 
of, of connection, of prayer, of thanksgiving. You can't regularly be paying attention uh, to what the spirit inside you is doing and where he might be leading you. You can't regularly be taking moments to say, Lord, I need your help, or Lord, I give you thanks, or Lord, I see you at work here. And so it is, I don't know if it's literally possible to never stop because yeah, I got to talk to my kids sometime, right? Like sometime you got you to gotta engage in other things. But, uh, but the picture is, is that, you know, prayer isn't something like, well, you do it in the morning and then you're just done for the day. It's yes, you carve out that time. And then as you go through your day, find the ways to acknowledge him. Find the ways to be thankful. Find the ways to ask for help. Find the ways to seek his face and give him a moment of worship. Uh, to pray continually. That it's an ongoing, regular conversation. And, and it's so important. Prayer accomplishes many things. And I, I won't go into it all because we preached about it a few weeks ago. But one of the things that prayer does is that it just reminds us who he is. Right? The very fact that we're asking him for something means that he's greater than us. The very fact that we're turning to him means that he has power that we don't have. The very act of prayer is an act of worship. It is an act of elevating him. It reminds us of who he is. It reminds us of who we are. Right? It reminds us that we're the mortals and he's the immortal one. Right? We are the natural. He is the supernatural. It reminds us of our proper place and our proper standing. And there is something about when I was in school, they uh, would lead us through prayer exercises where you literally physically get on your knees or physically lie on your face. And, and there's just something about the posture, right? Like it's not like a magic spell or anything, but there's something about the posture of just you are higher, Right? That, that constant reminder. From the Garden of Eden on, we have been trying to be God. Right, That's the human condition. We are trying to be God of our own lives. And prayer is the place where we break that cycle and say, no, I am not God. I am not that at all. I need God. I need his favor. I need his provision. I need his help. And so we, we keep continually learning that lifelong lesson that he is God and we are not. And we can fight that all we want, but it doesn't change the truth of what it is. And there's a lot of peace that we find when we actually just submit to that proper ordering of things, that I'm not God. I'm not in control. I need to seek the one who is God. I need to seek the one who is in control. So rejoice always, verse 16. Pray continually, verse 17. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. And we would point out, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. There are things that happen to us in this life that are horrific. We're not thankful for the things that are horrific, but we are finding ways to be thankful even in those things. Where has God been at work? And we can't always see that right when we're in it, but Give thanks in all circumstances. If you're in a circumstance of any kind, the biblical command is to be thankful. The biblical command is to give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that part probably refers to all three pieces. The rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks in all circumstances. Those things are God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And if we're followers of Christ Jesus, God's will should be supremely important to us. It should be the most important thing. God, what is your will? How can I find your will? How can I walk in your will? How can I know your will? I want to obey your will. When Jesus walked the earth, he said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father shows me to do. 
when he goes to the cross, he says, I have to show the whole world. The whole world needs to see that I love the Father and I do exactly what he commands me to do. And so to, to be Christ-like is to live a life seeking and submitting to God's will. And God's will is broad, and it is laid out, of course, in Scripture. And sometimes when we're living out our life, we're not always sure what God's will is. What is God's will in this situation or that situation? And it can be kind of difficult to figure it out. What do you do when you're trying to find God's will, and there's Scripture in this direction and other Scripture in that direction? How do you wrestle through, and how do you discern? This is something I think we will always be doing, and thankfully, we don't have to do it alone. We do it in community. But sometimes God's will is very, very clear, and this is one of those moments. What's God's will for you? That you rejoice always, that you pray continually, and that you give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. And if we are going to be people who follow after God's will, these are things that we are going to be doing. We are always going to be seeking to rejoice and worship. We are always going to be seeking to pray. We are always going to be giving thanks and finding the things to be thankful for. This is God's will for you. A friend of mine said, and this was not a a biblical idea um, so much, but he just said, I just think whenever we thank God, he just always shows up to receive it. He's just always present to receive our thanks. He calls us to do it over and over and over again. And we see this verse in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This was one of our key verses of the year. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. When we do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus And that verse is just like a glass of cold water every time I read it. Isn't it good for your soul? Don't be anxious about anything. Easier said than done. How do we not do that? How do we push against that? In every situation, wherever you are at, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, come before the Lord. There is something about the thanksgiving piece that is crucial. It's not just about asking for things. It's about being thankful. As we do that, as we come before the Lord with thanksgiving, the peace of God which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. There is something about the peace of God that's meant to keep your heart and your mind safe. It's a protective thing. So that when the the slander comes against you or the, the world is falling apart or the stresses of this life get overwhelming, the peace of God is meant to be a shield against all of those things that our hearts would be protected, that our minds would be protected. So by, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, come before the Lord. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are going to spend some time in thanksgiving prayer today. Worship team, you can come on up. And as we were closing today, I was trying to think of the way to close and... Um, I know we're not through all the COVID stuff, but it just, oh, it felt celebratory today. Even coming into Sunday, it just felt like, you know what? We're, we're very quickly moving through a lot of these things. And, uh, and for those of you who have been home because you've struggled with restrictions, I hope you are coming back now. Like, it's time, I think, to start taking some steps to rejoin as we move through this stuff. And, and just more and more, I think it's going to feel more and more normal. And, and God has been good to us in this time. It's been difficult. It's been painful. Um, God has been with us in all of it. And so in thinking of, well, how do we wrap up the morning? We're going to wrap up with worship as we always do. But um, 
I've just asked some people in the church to, to pray Thanksgiving prayers, and, and we're just going to offer God Thanksgiving this morning. Um, and I said, as I prayed earlier, like, I don't, I'm not even asking for things today. There's a place to ask, obviously, that's important uh, and biblical, and we're not saying that's wrong in any way. But today, it just felt like, let's just be grateful. Let's just rejoice always. Let's just offer up some prayer together. And so uh, I could do that, but I, I thought it'd be good for uh, some others in our church and different people to come up and do that. So we have some people, uh, and they're just going to come up, and they've each been assigned a different topic. They're all going to give thanks for something else. Uh, for those of you who are not praying, uh, congratulations, you're not getting up here in front of everybody. Your job is to add your amen to it. That's your job. Amen means, the word means truth. And when we say amen to something, we're saying that's truth. I agree. And there's power in that word. And so uh, as people come up to pray this morning, they're all going to pray for a different thing, pray a prayer of thanksgiving for a different thing as they do. And as they wrap up, the rest of you, your job is to say amen. Uh, and then as the last one comes up, so John Dyke's going to be the last one to come up, Jeff. And after John's up, we can go right into worship from there. So I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet now. I'm going to invite Greg Weens to come up first, and then the rest of you who are praying can follow in order, and the rest of you can just add your amen as we give thanks to God this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning. You are Lord, you are God, you're creator of all things. Lord, as we got up this morning, we saw the beautiful sunshine. We go outside, we hear the birds singing, we, spring is in the air. You have created all of that, Lord. We praise and thank you for all of it. We praise and thank you for who you are in creating each one of us. As we read in Psalm 139, you created us. You know everything about us, Lord. Before a word is spoken, you know that you created it. And we praise and thank you for that, Lord. You know also that every hair on our heads. And you know that each one of us is created unique and yet we are created in your image. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bless each one of us. We praise and thank you for all you do for us. And as we go out and leave here this morning, Lord, I pray that we will go outside and we will look and see all that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Lord Jesus, thank you that your word doesn't have us guessing at who you are, what your life was like, or what it means for us that we can see even in these short verses the whole overarching picture a glimpse of all of it from your pre-existence before anything existed thank you that you were seated on the throne in very nature god equal with god i just picture you seated there worshiped by the multitudes in heaven thank you that you then stepped down 
made yourself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant in your incarnation, that you didn't come as a mighty ruler or a powerful religious leader, but poor, obscure, vulnerable, just like us. Thank you that we can relate to you in your humanity. Thank you that you manifested the beautiful attributes of God in your mercy, in your grace, in your compassion, in your forgiveness, in your patience, and ultimately in your sacrifice. That you became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And even in this season of Lent, God, thank you that we have this opportunity to just press into that more, to take the time to really understand what that meant, Jesus, for you to sacrifice yourself in that way, so humiliating, abandoned by your loved ones, even with God turning his back on you and allowing his full wrath to be placed on you. Thank you that sin and death was conquered on the cross. Thank you for your resurrection, proof that sin and death was conquered. Thank you that we can step into that resurrection power that is, that it is available to us. And as you ascended, and as God exalted you in the highest place, thank you that you intercede for us, that you hear our prayers, that we can approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace to help us in our time of need, that I can talk to you right now because of your sacrifice and that you invite us, all of us, to approach your throne for what we need. And we are so grateful. We don't take that for granted. So thank you, Jesus, for your life, for your death, and the power that you give us because of the resurrection. Amen. As we continue to give thanks, Holy Spirit, we come this morning with hearts full of thanksgiving. And we just want to honor you and worship you because you alone are worthy. And we just want to thank you so much that you have sustained us through so much, through these years of difficulty. Holy Spirit, you did not leave us to fend for ourselves or to figure it out, but you led us so patiently and so lovingly. Thank you, Spirit, that you guide us into all truth. You guide us into obedience and to following, to following you into a deeper presence with the Father. I thank you that you came to empower us and you did not abandon us. You empower us to press in deeper and to go further and to do the thing that is impossible to do without you. Thank you. Thank you for this house, your house of prayer, your house of worship. Thank you that you meet us here and that you continue to guide us into the presence of the Father. In Jesus' name, thank you. Father, we thank you for our lands. In Psalm 24, 1, 
It states, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those that dwell in it. In Psalm 37, 11, it says, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Here we are today, Father, living in a land of freedom with great provisions and protection. Father, we thank you for our leaders, for our democracy in our country. We thank you for the phenomenal opportunities we have to use all these resources you've given us to have a positive impact on those around us. Lord, we come to you this morning with praise and thanksgiving, recognizing how incredibly blessed we are for our land, our freedom in our land, our provisions in our land, our rulers in our land, and our protection in our land. Father, we love you, and thank you for always loving us and always taking care of us. Amen. Father, I thank you for this family. Thank you for each person here as I could welcome them in today and every Sunday to see their faces. Father, thank you for this body. Thank you for this family, for every single one, for the children that come and make me smile as they skip around and as they sing. Father, I thank you for the youth. I thank you today that we can celebrate the weekend they had a way of growing in each other, of growing in you, that we could all pray for them, that we can encourage them. I thank you for the encouragement that they give us. Father, you have created this body, this body, that each one of us spur each other on, encourage each other, pray for each other, love on each other, and you bring us to each other as we need each other. And Father, you have created this, and I thank you, Father. I thank you for everything. I thank you this morning, Father, that we could celebrate new birth, these babies that came, Father, as we all rejoice in that. Father, this is from your hand, this body. I thank you for how you've protected us. You continue to protect us. I thank you for how you work in each one of our lives to grow closer to you, but that not just for ourselves, but for each other. Father, I thank you so much for that, and I am so blessed by every single person here. It's uh, so great, Father, even out in the community as I'm shopping or going for a walk or when we run into each other, we're joyful to see each other and that is from you and I just thank you. I thank you so much for that. Father, I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you that I know they come to you. They look to you before they make decisions. They hear from you. They listen to you. Before they make decisions, they follow through on how you are leading them to lead us, to be closer to you, to praise you, to worship you, to lead others to you, to lift each other up. Father, I thank you for this worship team, how they help us as a body to worship you. The amazing Father that you are. 
Father, we are better together. You've orchestrated that. We ignite each other. Apart from each other, we fizzle. Father, you have orchestrated that, and I am so grateful and so thankful for this body. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for remaining active and intentional in spite of the questions and uncertainty that we have faced as a church, as a nation, as a world. You've continued to remain who you are, even though and even through the very difficult reality of death and suffering of your people. God, you continue to extend grace to us even when we are quick to judge and quick to speak our minds and find it difficult to listen. Father, help us keep all of our lives in perspective, especially in light of who you are and your steadfastness in remaining a good father, giving good gifts and looking after your people. Help us recognize that even when we face difficult times and interact with difficult people, that your interest in helping a good outcome remains. Help us see through the affluence and the abundance that is our reality so that we don't forget about you. Help us to recall your faithfulness when we are unsure or doubtful about anything good coming from the scenarios we face. You are good, and your loving kindness endures forever. Amen.